Amen, amen. Wow, that sounded awesome. I wish sometimes I could be out there with you guys doing all that. It's lonely up here. (laughs) I mean, I love Frankie, but you would agree it's lonely up here. (laughs) I want you guys to help me preach this morning. As we close this series, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Viewer discretion, there's a snake here, it's not real. Uh, We're not a snake handling church. And uh, today's going to be a rough one. It's not for the sensitive ones. Ephesians 4.22, verse 26. Ephesians 4.22, verse 26. The words got smaller in my Bible. The Word of God says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. No longer. But must work doing something useful with his own hands. That he may have something to share with those in need. I want you to notice something here in the Word of God. I want to start with verse 22. And explain to you what's going on here. But we're talking this morning about giving the devil a foothold in your life. And in verse 22, Paul begins to say this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. How many remember your former ways of living before Jesus? You were taught in regard to your former ways of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And in your anger, Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 27. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to preach this message. Help us to understand and leave here this morning. Never the same in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's all be seated this morning as we get ready for this topic entitled, Do Not Give Him a Foothold. Do Not Give the Devil a Foothold. Now Paul is writing this letter, warning the church of the devil. He's not warning non-believers. He's not warning people out there in the world. Paul's actually writing to a church, writing to new believers, new Christians, who have experienced this new life in Jesus Christ, he's writing them and he begins to tell them to make sure you guys are putting off the old self. He reminds them that when you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, your old ways are over. Are you thankful for that? Your old ways, your past, your life, your sin, all of that has been washed by the blood of Jesus. You have been forgiven. And he's saying as a result to the old Jew, 
being forgiven through Jesus, now there is a new you taking place. And Jesus said, now because you're in Christ, Paul said, you're a new person. You may not feel like it all the time, but if you are a genuine believer of Jesus Christ, you are, as the Bible says it, a new creation. And as you begin to walk with Jesus, we call this sanctification. It's a fancy word. It's a fancy way of saying the process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. So as you become a Christian and you're walking with Jesus, you're praying more, you're reading the Bible, you're going to a church like this one, and you're learning the Word of God, as time progress, progresses, you begin to progress. You begin to see growth. You begin to see change. And that's what Paul is talking about. You don't instantly get saved and become a new person. Amen? That does not happen. If not, I mean, imagine you just gave your life to Jesus. You wake up the next day and everything that was ever a problem in your life, your anger, your bitterness, your rage, your addiction, your lust, all of that just vanishes. It doesn't work that way. It works by working. You work towards spiritual growth. You spend time in the Word of God. You pray. You go to Bible study. You ask your pastor questions. You work on what you need to work on. You pray through it. You begin to grow, grow, and grow. And the more you grow, the more you see your old self going away. And when you become a true believer of Jesus Christ, you begin to live in a different way. You don't live like your old self again because Paul says it clearly. Your old self is gone. So it makes no sense for anyone to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but you know what? Nothing's changed in my life. I'm the same old David. That is absolutely false. You begin to live different. You begin to act different. When you're a true Christian, you begin to value things that are different. Before Christ, you valued sin. You valued yourself. You valued the world. You valued filth. But now that you know Jesus Christ, your worldview has changed. And because your worldview has changed, your values have changed. Some of you woke up this morning with a desire to come to church for crying out loud. Did you have that desire before Jesus? No. Some of you never even saw Sunday morning because you were too hungover to even wake up. Can I get a witness? All right. Your desires change. You begin to change because Paul said you have a new mindset. You think differently. And when you think differently, you act differently. You live differently. And you are differently than the world. It's a mind shift. As you begin to grow, Paul says, to this church. When you grow in the Lord, your old self is just not the same anymore. When you have a relationship with Jesus, a real relationship, you're able to look back and say, yeah, that's not me anymore. You're able to look back and say, man, what was I thinking? And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful to have 
that relationship with Jesus, that saving knowledge, that grace that set me free, that I'm no longer the same. I'm no longer, oh, David, I'm no longer anyone. You guys have this opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and live a life of freedom. You know, just yesterday when we were going out with the guys from church and fishing, and I was looking at all of them. They're crazy. They're crazy. We were the loudest ones on the pier. I mean, it was insane. We had a good time, though. But you know what I was thinking as we were leaving? I was walking past the pier, and there's a little restaurant there, and there's a bar, and you just see the lifeless faces of people. You see people trying to just drink their problems away, trying to feel something. You see women dressed provocatively, trying to find some attention and love. And as we drove back home, I, 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 we drove by a casino, and you see people eagerly trying, losing all their money, trying to get rich, trying to fulfill this emptiness. And then when I spoke, we kept driving by, I see this woman, and obviously she's, her profession is that in the street, if you know what I'm talking about. And I looked at her and I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I could be in a pier with a bunch of crazy Christians like these guys. Thank you that I have a church family that I can go to when I'm in trouble. Thank you that I don't need the world. I don't need to drink to have a good time. I don't need to be living outside in the world in my flesh to feel valued. I have Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. You're an old creation that is gone. As you begin to grow with the Lord. You see, I have a, a relationship with my wife Jericho who I met, fell in love with, and made a commitment to marry. And I was thinking about this as I was going through my closet. But I want you to look at this jacket. Yes, sir. This is when David was single. Single David preached in this. Single David looked good. I was like, what? That was my jacket? Single David, your boy was hot. I was like, would that fit me? And when I go, oh, maybe it still fits, you know? I have been dieting. I've been wearing yeah. This is the result. Imagine preaching like this. Jerrica did this to me. It's called happy weight, marriage weight. Oh, you're skinny. Get that out of here. You're, Jay, Jay's like, hey, man, I get you. And he's like this. Come on, Jay. When I put it on, I said, here's the thing. I said, I can't believe this used to fit me. What changed? Well, I got married. I had a new relationship that satisfied me. And I began to grow. I grew, not just in the Lord, I grew in Jericho. And I look back just a year, and I try to put it back on, 
And I said, it's not as comfortable as it used to be. It's not as good looking as it used to be. It doesn't feel right. Folks, that's what being a true believer looks like. You, you, you get into a relationship with Jesus. You grow. So that if you would ever to go back to your old sinful closet and try on things you used to be comfortable with, go back to things that you did before Jesus. If you're a true saved person, you put it on. But you say, man, something doesn't feel right. I can't believe this. I used to be comfortable in this. I, I can't believe I thought this looked good. I can't believe this was my life. I can't believe I want, this was a fit in my life. I can't believe that. Because when you begin to get sanctified and grow in the Lord, you go ahead and you try those old things. They're not going to fit right anymore because you have been truly born again. I don't understand Christians or supposed Christians that say they're saved. They go back to, I'm not preaching in this, don't worry. They go back to their old life and they're like, wow, it still fits. I'm comfortable doing what I used to do. It doesn't affect me. Nothing's changed. And that's right. Nothing has changed. Do you get it, church? Paul is saying, you're a new creation. You're growing in the Lord. And when you have had that spiritual renewal, that change in Jesus Christ, and that growth, when you try, it's not going to fit right. And you know what else? You look ridiculous. Saying you're a Christian, but you're living in the world. It's not comfortable. It doesn't fit right. And you can see the difference. I'm asking you this morning. Can you see that difference in your life? Could you truly say, not, not, well, I, the difference is I go to church now. The difference is I read the Bible. I'm trying. No. Can you really see that sanctification, that process of change that's making you more and more like Jesus every day? That when you're confronted with sin, around sin, you're uncomfortable with it. When you're around non-Christians and maybe you work with them or your family members, especially now during the holidays, and they're, they're cursing and they're getting drunk and wasted and talking about and court, just coarse joking. And are you there saying, man, that this doesn't feel right. Or are you there saying, <laughs> yeah, I know, bro, yeah, you're with them. Answer that for yourself. There's a difference when you begin to grow in Jesus. And can I tell you the truth? When you come to this church, you're going to grow. You're not going to be the same again, not because of me, not because of the preaching, not because of the Word, because in this church we preach the Word of God and the Word of God will change you. It will change you. And it's no longer fitting. So Paul warns them first. He's saying, listen, he, he says you put on a new self like Christ, put off your old way. Paul is describing it like a wardrobe change. 
But then Paul gives us a warning to the church. Paul says in verse 27, after he's talking about the wardrobe and the change in your old ways, he's letting, in a way, he's letting the church know you're, you're, you might be saved, but you're not safe. What do I mean by that? You might be saved from your sin and on your way to heaven, but you're not safe from the devil. In fact, Paul tells the church, do not give the devil what? A foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. And Paul is talking to a bunch of believers, you and Jesus Christ, seeing people in a church, and he warns them of the devil. If you warn someone of the devil, it's because that warning is an indication that you're not safe from it. So Paul begins to tell the church, and he warns them, not only of the devil, he says, do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold literally means opportunity. It's a little crack that you leave open the size of your foot in the door. And you know what Paul is saying? He's exaggerating this with truth. He's saying, don't even give the devil the smallest opportunity in your life. He's a warning. Don't open the door in any small way to the devil. Don't give the devil an opportunity to wreak havoc in your life. Because you're a Christian, because you're saved in Jesus Christ, you can't have this attitude, I'm protected, I'm fine, I'm saved, the devil can't touch me. Yes, he can and will and wants to. Satan desires to wreak havoc and destruction in your life. He wants to, that old life that was in the world and in sin and miserable that has been saved and sanctified and that new life that is now blessed and free. Satan wants to attack that very life to get you back in the world. That home that was restored after Jesus, the marriage that got better, the kids that got better, Satan wants that home so bad. He wants to reap destruction in that home and bring destruction to the marriage and the family. He wants to bring destruction to the churches. He wants to bring destruction to your testimony and give you a bad name and reputation. He wants to bring destruction to the call that God has in your life. The devil just wants you to compromise just a little doorway, just a little foothold. But don't you understand, a little foothold is enough to destroy your life when Satan is in it. And Paul tells the church, watch out. You're a new person. You're a Christian. You've been saved. But the devil can still have a foothold in your life. He doesn't leave Christians alone. In fact, because you're a true Christian, he has his eyes on you. The Bible refers to Satan as a serpent. Of all the animals God could have referred him to, he said snake. The most dangerous part about a venomous snake 
according to snake handling, is not when you're holding on to them. As long as they're holding on to him and holding on to his head, they're fine. They walk around, they're living life, they're okay, they're comfortable, they're calm. If you ever look at a snake handler, when he has the snake pivoted on his head, that snake handler is calm as can be. But the snake handler, his eyes are open. And he's very cautious. Not while he's holding the snake. But a snake handler will tell you that the most dangerous part about handling a snake is when you're letting him go. Because when you let go of that head and you let go of that snake, that snake now knows it's been set free and it turns his head seeking the opportunity to strike. This is the picture of the devil and the legion of demons behind him. Before Jesus, imagine with me, you are holding on to the devil. And he was holding on to you. He was fine with you as long as you're in the world. As long as you're living in sin away from Jesus. As long as you're not a threat to his kingdom. As long as you're living your life selfishly, self-centeredly. Not even thinking about the things of God. As long as he knows you're out there and getting wasted, getting drunk, getting high. Living in lustful sin. As long as he knows that you have no intentions of serving Jesus. He left you alone. Think about this. For anyone that got saved recently or in the years before recently, just a little bit, five years, maybe ten years ago, think about your life before Jesus. The devil left you alone. Amen? He left you alone. He didn't bother you on Sunday morning when you wanted to sleep in. He didn't bother you when you tried to go to church. He didn't bother you, no, because you were holding on to him. But when you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you repented of your sins, and you turned your life to the Lord, and now you begin to get sanctified, and you begin to change your ways, and the Lord begins to renew your mindset, and your values, and your worth, and your desires, and you have a desire not to serve God, to please God, to honor God, to live holy and righteous, and you have a desire for the will of God, and no longer your will. That is you saying, devil, it's been real, it's been fun, but I have to let you go. Do you think when you let go of your old life, and you let go of that devil and you set the devil free from your life, the devil's not going to try to turn back and strike you? Do you think the devil's going to say, hey, it's been real. Yeah, it was a, that was fun, right? Okay, I'll, okay, fine. I'll, it's, right. No, you're telling the devil, I have been saved through grace. My mind has been renewed. I'm not like that anymore. That's no longer a fit for my lifestyle. And I'm letting you go, devil. You're no longer going to rule my life. You're no longer going to deceive me. I know the truth. That truth has set me free. I'm living for Jesus now. And when you let that devil go, he doesn't want to let you go. And the most dangerous part of letting go of a snake is because that snake knows the opportunity is now. That's why Paul said, don't give the devil an opportunity now that you're saved. Now that you're born again. Now that you've been transformed. Now is the time that the devil says, I'm going to strike you. 
Oh, you're free now? Okay. I know how to get you. And he wants to strike you like any snake to inflict pain into your life. To kill the destiny that God has for you. As a Christian, you're not safe. The world is safe from the devil. The church is not. A non-believer is safe from the devil. A true believer is not. And while the devil can't take your soul, he can bring destruction to get you to lose faith. That's why when you think about giving the devil an opportunity, the first thing that clicks on is what we talked about the first Sunday. Yes, sin, rebellion, witchcraft, idolatry, demonic worship. Yes, absolutely, that gives the devil a major foothold. But the devil is smarter than that. See, when you try to let go of the devil, he hasn't let go of you. And he desires to strike you, to hinder your faith, and to get you back to old ways. To get you back to old sin. He'll strike you getting back with old relationships that are no longer fitting like this jacket. Old habits. Old lifestyles. The devil has a way of knowing in what area in your life he can stick his fangs in. It should not be a surprise. It shouldn't come to a shock that the devil attacks Christians. Many pastors falsely preach this in the church that, hey, you're safe. The devil can't help you. The devil can't touch you. Really? Really, bro? Really? Did the devil not try to hinder Jesus? What? He, I mean, are you better than Jesus now? It sounds nice and encouraging, but I love you too much to lie to you. The devil's real. You're not safe. You better check yourself. Amen? No, praise God today. He's giving you a warning. It shouldn't come to a surprise that the devil attacks churches. It shouldn't come to a surprise that the devil wiggles into a Christian home, a Christian family, to attack and oppose believers. In fact, throughout the New Testament, Jesus would warn believers about the devil. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 31. This is Jesus talking to Peter. A believer. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like me. Literally, Satan's asking me to shake you. To shake you. And look at what Jesus says in verse 32. But I prayed for you. I prayed for you, Simon. You know, it's Jesus is praying for us that we stay strong against the devil. 
I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. See, what the devil wants the most, he can't have your salvation, but he can hinder that faith of yours. Simon, that your faith may not fail. I'm praying that the devil will not hinder your faith. But when you turn back, strengthen your brother. You know what Jesus said? I'm praying for you. That the devil not hinder your faith. But Peter, I know all things. I know you're going to fail. But when you fail, Peter, and the devil strikes you, you could always turn back to me. And when you turn back and I strengthen you again, use that as a testimony to help and warn others. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I wish I knew this X amount of time ago. But the truth is, the devil is striking my life. He's striking my marriage. He's striking my children. I've given him a foothold. Listen, it's not okay, but it's not the end. God says, you hear, you can turn back. Maybe the devil has his fangs on you now. But the Bible says in Genesis that Jesus himself will crush the serpent's head. And because Jesus has victory over Satan and we are in Christ, you have victory as well. Don't let the devil lie to you. Turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, I am sorry. I have left this opportunity, this little door for the compromise of the devil to get into my life. But Jesus, forgive me. I repent and I'm shunning this foothold. And Peter was restored stronger than ever. But why does Satan want Peter? Because Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, and I tell you the truth, that you, Peter, listen, you, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build what? My church. Of all the twelve, Jesus singled out Peter to be the church planner. To be the one that starts the church. And Satan went, what? Judas, uh, can you hold on a minute, Judas? I'll finish with you later. Peter, you mean to tell me, loud mouth, cursing, Peter, dirty, rotten little fisherman, is going to be the church planner? He's going to be the one to start the church? The church that goes against my kingdom? No, not today. Jesus, I want him. You see, Satan wanted Peter. Listen to me. Listen nicely. Peter was now a threat. Because Peter would build the church. The church would rise against the kingdom of God. Notice this. Let's learn today. You guys ready to learn? This is great preaching. Take your notes. I tell you that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell, will not overcome. The devil said, we'll see about it. The devil was around when he heard Jesus say, Peter, I got a plan for you. I got a will for your life. I have a desire for your life. Peter, 
your life is going to be a building stone for my kingdom. All of us that are following Jesus truly right now, God has a call on your life, and that call always connects the kingdom of God. And when you are a person that is building your life centered on the kingdom of God, you could have a kingdom family raising kingdom children, have a kingdom marriage, you're building your life, you have kingdom finances, you're serving the Lord for His kingdom, your will is for the kingdom of God, and when you are building your life on the kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of God, you declare war on the gates of hell. And you're a threat to the devil. If you're saying, oh no, I'm a Christian, the devil hasn't done nothing to me, because you're not a threat. You're not a threat. When you watch football, they attack the opposing team. But no one in their right mind is going to attack their own team member. Don't brag that the devil doesn't touch you. Maybe you have his jersey on. It's the truth. So don't think, oh, I'm such a good Christian. The devil can't touch me. Listen. I don't know what to say about that anymore. <laughs> but maybe you're on his team and you're not a threat. I look back at this church and I realize why the devil doesn't leave us alone. I talk to other pastors, they don't go through what we go through. I talked to other church, talking one this week, he's talking about his members. I said, man, my members aren't like that. My members are crazy. But I realized all these years, everything, the devil's tried. Because he sees our church little. But he knows in this little church, they're falling in love with Jesus. They're growing. Wait, wait a minute. And the devil says, wait a minute, wait a minute. This church has people that like each other? That actually enjoy their time of meeting greets? You mean this church has people that love and know and help each other? And this church has a pastor that's preaching the truth of God's word? And this church has a Bible study on Wednesday that for 13 years has been going verse by verse through the Bible? And these people are going to grow and become fat Christians? No, no, no. I'm coming after you. If you want to be saved, get out of the church now. It's coming. It's coming. But I know in Jesus, we're ready. We're ready. But when you say, Lord, I'm going to be a better husband, a better spouse for your kingdom, I'm going to be a better person, the devil says, you're a threat. I'm going to raise godly children. I'm going to pray with them at night. I'm going to read them the Bible. I'm going to pull their hair to church. I want to do everything. The devil says, you're a threat. But you leave these church walls today and you go back and then next um, tomorrow, tomorrow, Halloween, you're going to be in the costume, drunk. Yeah, the devil said, you're not a threat. How many of you are a threat to Satan? I wonder. That's why in 1 Peter 5.8, Peter says, be self-controlled. To a church. Peter, of all people that can talk about this because he experienced it, he says, be self-controlled. 
Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Did you see that the Bible says the devil singles out people? He doesn't, he didn't say he's looking for a church. He's looking for a, a church group. He's looking for, no, he says looking for someone. Will you be that one? The devil says, you're my foothold. I can get in this family through her, through him. I can get in this church through that person. I can get through this marriage, through this habit. I can, what is the someone he's seeking to devour? Peter spoke from experience. Guys, listen, I have been there. I love Jesus. I'm saved. But the devil shook me because I didn't listen to Jesus and I gave the devil a foothold when I denied Jesus three times and all it took was that little compromise of me hanging out by a little toasty fire with non-Christians and when I did that, the devil went right in. Guys, be alert. Watch out. I'm warning you. The devil is real and he's looking for someone. You imagine being in that church service and Peter saying, I have been through it and I don't want you to go through it. Watch out. But here's the shocking thing. The devil doesn't, he attacks Christians. That's not surprising. But in verse 27, what is surprising is that Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give. Give. Say it with me. Give. That, that word give in the Greek literally means to let go and surrender. You know how many people now have surrendered their lives to Satan? Every time you say, I'm not going to bring my church, my kids to church anymore. They're too old. They don't want to. I'm just going to give them what they want. You just told the devil, I surrender. You can have them. Every time as a spouse, you're saying, you know what, I'm going to stop trying. I'm not going to go to church anymore with my spouse. I'm not going to try to pray with them anymore. I'm not going to do any of that. The devil, You're telling the devil you can have my marriage. I give up. It's not the shocking part, church. It's not that the devil attacks us. The, the shocking part is that we give it to him. We give him the opportunity. As a pastor, I've seen so many countless people drift away from God, make terrible mistakes. Let's not call them mistakes. Let's just call them sin. Choices that destroyed their lives, their family, their children. And when you trace back where it all started, it was a little opportunity they compromised and gave to them. They weren't watchful. Peter said, watch out. Be watchful. And Paul said, don't give the devil a foothold. So here's the thing. You put this together, the Bible is teaching us. There is a devil that wants you. Because you're now declared that you're serving Jesus. And you've let the snake go, but that snake wants to turn around and strike you back and inflict pain into your life. And that devil can come into your life in the smallest of footholds, the smallest of opportunities. So you better watch your door. 
Believe you and me, if this little thing was at my door, I'd shut it shut, more than shut, I'd shut shut it. I don't know what that means. I played a trick on Dennison. I told him, oh, I found this snake in Cluiston, because, you know, he loves Cluiston. And he's like, oh, what? If this thing was at your door, would you treat it as casual? Would you say, here's a snakey, snakey, snakey? That's what we do with the devil. We're like, you devil, you devil, you devil, you devil. Oh, look at the little horns. Oh, yeah, 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 come right in, come right in. You see this thing? Some of you are grabbing the machete. Throwing your wife outside? No, you're not doing that. You're, you're just shutting the door. You are. Some of the women are so tough in this church, they'll grab that snake. Let me tell you, the guys are going to be the one running, okay? So. But you will be surprised how many people play with the gun. They don't shut that door. And I've seen so many people fall. And the Bible says in Genesis 3.1 that the devil is like a serpent. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. That word crafty means to be smart, mischievous, deceitful, sneaky. The devil's smart. It's obvious that sin lets a man, rebellion, darkness, I get that. The devil's smarter than that. The devil's so smart that he wants to bring destruction in three ways. You guys ready to learn this? His destruction, it all comes in only three ways. Three ways that make up a wide range of temptation. Destruction comes through one. Distraction. Deception, division, distraction, deception, division. That is the weapon of choice. And he grabbed all these three things and makes a weapon against you. Let's talk about distraction. Did you know that a rattlesnake has this amazing ability to rattle his snake, little tail? I think there's a video of this here. But this rattlesnake uses his rattle to distract his prey. You see, that snake looks at his prey like the devil looks at the church, he looks at a Christian. He sees vulnerability, sees weakness, and he starts rattling that tail. That tail is making such a noise that that prey is trying to look at. He's drawn to it, curious about it, getting closer to it. And what the snake is trying to do is distract it on one side so from the other side he can strike. 
See what the devil does? If the devil first knows that you're a believer that loves the Lord, but all he has to do is throw distractions into your life. Sometimes these distractions aren't even sinful. But they keep you away from God. They keep you away from His Word. They keep you away from the church. They keep you away from prayer. They keep you away from responsibility. They keep you away from godliness. You know, but it's not a sin, but it's an idol. And it's a little distraction. Look at Genesis 3.6. This is from the beginning of time, the first family, the first believers, the first marriage. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Who was with her? Who, say it with me, who was with her and he ate it. We all blame the woman. I get it, but listen to me. The reason, let, let's not blame Eve anymore because who was with her? Her husband, who was in charge of that home, in charge of that marriage. Adam had the responsibility to protect his family. And when a little snake comes up to your wife talking, you better do something. But Adam was so distracted, he failed to meet his responsibility as a man of God. And the truth stands today that as believers, we have a responsibility. If you are a man, you are responsible to build a godly home. You are responsible to build a godly marriage. But the devil wants to distract you. And keep on, just go to work, just go to work, 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 sports, sports, hobbies, hobbies, money, come on, come on, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, rattle, rattle, and you're so distracted by pleasure and money and the world that the devil's just creeping in the other side and he's striking your wife, he's striking your children, and you're the man of the house. What are you doing? As a married couple, you are responsible for your marriage. And men and women, they sit there and they see little snakes that can hinder their marriage. But they're so distracted. It looks so good. It looks harmless. And you're not meeting your responsibility to love the wife of your youth. If you're a parent, you have a responsibility to raise those children in the ways of the Lord. But you're so shaken by the rattle. You're so distracted by everything you got to do that you don't even think about what your kids are thinking about, what they're watching, what they're doing on social media, who their friends are, why they're acting so strange, why they're acting with such a bad attitude. They've changed. They're different. You're not watchful. And the devil's trying to get in, but you are distracted. And even God said, that the serpent was more crafty than all the animals in the garden. And what's interesting is that when Adam was created, God said, I have given you dominion and authority over every living beast in this garden. So Adam, you have authority over that devil. You are just distracted. You have authority over your home. You have authority over your marriage. You have authority over those kids. 
But you're too distracted. And you're letting the rattle of money and pleasure and television distract you from your responsibilities. Close that door of distraction. Deception. Genesis 4, 6. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. The serpent said to his woman, to the woman, not his woman, to the woman. Look at verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit was good for eating, she desired it. I want to stop right there because we already read that. The devil's strategy is not just distraction, it's deception. You're not going to die. It's harmless. The devil's distraction is one thing, but deception comes through perception. The devil wants you to get to, wants you to see things the wrong way. Perception is not what you see, but how you see it. You and I can see the same thing, but see it differently. That's perception. And what's interesting about a rattlesnake is a rattlesnake not only uses his little rattle to distract, but he uses it to deceive. Did you know that rattlesnakes can actually change the frequency of their rattle? You know why they do that, church? They try to quiet down the rattle to appear that they're further than what they are in the prey. So when he changes the frequency of the rattle, that prey thinks, well, that rattlesnake's far away and gets actually closer to it. The devil is so crafty, he does the same thing. The devil says, I'm going to deceive you into thinking that consequences and sin are so far from you. It's not going to do anything. Go ahead. Watch it. Taste it. Do it. Text it. Watch it. Go ahead. And the devil calls what is evil good. That tree was evil and it was good. Good of knowledge of good and evil. But what did Satan emphasize? Good. Did you guys pick up on that? When she saw the tree was good. And the tree was good. Because God himself said this is good and evil. But Satan said, look how good it is. He ignored the evil. Satan gets you to see how good the sin is. Never tells you the consequences. And at that moment, the sin looks good and you feel like the consequences are far away. That's the devil changing frequencies on you. In order to get you closer. And most people are not watchful of deception. That's why many people say, yeah, I could, I could go alone to lunch with this opposite sex from work. I, I will be fine. No, yeah, yeah, I could give them my number. It's just for work talk. No, I, I can go ahead and, and it's not going to do anything for me. I can have friends that are female. I can have friends that are male. I could have, you know, I could do that. Oh, you know what? I, I could, I can watch this. It's not really going to 
UN. I can try this. I can taste that. I can drink that. That's not going to, I'm strong. I can stop when I want. It's not so bad. And the devil tries to get what is evil and make it look good. And it all tastes good. And it all looks good. Until the fans strike you. And you reap destruction. Because you were reaping sin. Sowing sin into your life and you reap destruction in life. And if you look, many who have lost their families, their marriage, whose life have been destroyed by sin, compromise because of deception. Many affairs, many relationships, many sinful choices happen because you saw it for what it was. While God told you what it is. Sin is a bounty. But the devil gets you so distracted to get you so deceived. And lastly, you guys okay? Distraction Deception, division. What is division? Come from the word die, vision. The word die means two. It's two ways of seeing things. Why is our country so divided? Because we see it the right way, they don't. We see it one way, they don't. And then you ask them, no, no, they see it, we see it the right way, you don't. We have it right. You don't. It's two ways of seeing things. Division is not only in our country, and it's not only in politics. Division comes into the home. Division comes into the churches. Division comes through friendships. Godly, powerful friendships. And one of the things about rattlesnakes is that it's not always the rattle that gets you. Rattlesnakes can also spit their venom into the eyes of their prey to get them to see wrong, not to see right, to strike them. The devil has that power. Let me explain. Did that tree just suddenly appear? No. It was always there. They saw it every morning they woke up. They saw it. There's a tree. Tree of knowledge, tree of evil. There it is. There it is. They always saw it. Nothing about it changed. But what's interesting is that Eve now saw the, after dealing with the devil, she saw the tree. And this time she said, wow, I never noticed. It looks kind of good. And her perception changed. Her vision of that tree changed. That's how the devil brings division into your life. You see, the devil in the garden showed up only after Adam and Eve were together. When Adam was alone, the devil's not mentioned, but when Eve showed up and they got together and formed a union, the devil showed up because the devil will show up where there's unity. You have a unified marriage, the devil will show up. You have a unified church, the devil will show up. You have a new, a unified family. The devil will show because the devil tries to divide 
And you have to watch out for this because the same way that Eve saw the tree that has never changed differently, the devil can manipulate you in such a way he can change your perception about someone that hasn't changed it yet. I see it all the time with the pastor. People have left this church and say, Pastor, you're different. The church has changed. And I'm thinking, 13 years, nothing, nothing has changed. We're still dysfunctional. I'm still not that much of a hugger. You know, none of that. Nothing's changed. But see what happens? The spit goes into the eye. And you begin to see things different. That's why the devil has a foothold when it comes to slander and gossip about other people. You hear something enough about someone, you begin to see that person the way that person is describing. Don't entertain gossip. Don't entertain slander. Don't mistake gossip for prayer requests. Don't do that. The devil tries to creep in and divide. It happened to Saul. Saul loved David. Listen, he loved David. But the Bible says that Saul had an evil spirit around him. And isn't it interesting, after that evil spirit showed up, he began to see the same old shepherd, the same old worshiper, the same old David. He began to see him differently and said, he's after my kingdom. He wants to kill me. He's selfish. Look at him. He thinks he's better than me. I can't believe him. And he wanted to kill him. The devil loves to change perception about people that have not changed. The devil will do it in your, in your spouse. I can leave a pair of socks on the floor. The devil can sneak into Jericho's ears and say, you know why David put that there? Because he doesn't care. You work all day that you're tired. He's like, he's so selfish. Look at him. He's off today. He's out there golfing. Look at you tired coming home to this. He doesn't care about you. Maybe there's someone else. He's changed, hasn't he? No, she married me. I'm still a mess. Still disorganized. My church knows. I'm a mess. But all it takes is a little perception change. And the devil begins to divide. You need to protect the godly relationships you have. And as we close, we'll close with this. The devil will come to you in distraction. He'll come to you through deception thinking that sin is not a big deal, can't harm you. And the devil will show up through division. When Adam and Eve gave in to sin because of distraction and deception, didn't you notice that that unity they once had was divided? They began to fight, blame, just bring each other down. Those are signs of division. And not only was the marriage divided, but they ran away from God. They were divided spiritually from God. And the devil was successful that day for a moment. I distracted you. I deceived you. I divided you. Be watchful. Because the devil is trying to destroy you in any one of these ways. Be watchful of your home. Be watchful of your marriage. Protect it at all costs. Don't be an Adam. 
Don't sit there idly by and watch the devil strike your home, your family, your children, your marriage, your spiritual growth. Don't sit there idly by and lack responsibility. And don't just sit there and watch the devil destroy your life. Take action, be watchful, and prevent footholds that are in your life. A foothold might be a relationship you shouldn't be in, something you're watching, something you're doing. You have to protect your life, your family, your responsibility at all costs. But they fail. But see, Adam and Eve, together, they went to God. What I love about Adam and Eve is that even though they were ashamed and even though they were fighting, they made coverings for one another. You know what that means to me? We want, I want this marriage to work. What about you? I want this marriage to work. Let me cover you as you cover me. Let me help you out as you help me out. And they started working together to help each other because they knew the devil brought serious division to their family, to their home, to their marriage, to their lives. But see, all of that was great and it was a start, but it wasn't until they both together went back to God that God finally covered them once and for all. And we need people like Adam and Eve to say, we gave the devil a foothold. We are divided. We have been distracted. We have been deceived. But we are together in this and we're going back to the Lord and we're going to let God cover this home. We're going to let God cover this life. We're going to let God cover this marriage. And we are going back to the Lord and we're going to be honest. We're naked. We're ashamed. We were wrong. But we're coming back to you because the Lord called out to them. And as we close this series this morning. I believe the Lord is calling out to one of you today. In fact, maybe all of you today that the devil has distracted you long enough. He has deceived you long enough. He has divided you long enough. And it's time for you to turn back to the Lord. Shut the doorways. Shut up. The, just shut all of the opportunities in your life you've given to the devil. And protect yourself. That's why Job, in Job chapter 1, the devil was the same, looking for someone like the lion. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it, just looking for someone, looking for a family. I'm looking for a Christian. I'm looking for someone that wants to serve the Lord. I'm looking for threats. Who is my threat? Who? Oh, there's my threat. And it was Job. And the Lord said to Job, to Satan, sorry, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless. He's upright. He's a man who fears God. He shuns evil. And look at what the devil said to God. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his what? Households and everything he has. You know what's crazy about this passage? The devil did consider Job. Because God said, have you considered Job? And the devil said, yeah, I have. I tried. I tried. I tried to get to him. I tried to get to his household. I tried to get to his children. I tried to get to his marriage, his family, his health, his finances. But God, you put a hedge of protection over him. And a hedge was a thorny bush you surrounded yourself with to protect you from wild animals. 
The devil knew that he couldn't touch Job because of a hedge of protection. And that hedge of protection was there because Job was a man that feared God. He was a man that was upright. He was a man that served the Lord and honored him. And when you begin to fear the Lord and serve him and put him first and live a life that is upright for the Lord according to the word of God, when you begin to put God first in your life, you don't even realize the hedge you're forming around your home, your family, your children, your kids, that the devil's going to try, but he can't because there's so much righteousness in this home. So as you close here this morning and we finish this series You guys want to hedge over your home? Do you want to hedge over your family? Don't just pray for a hedge. Prayer, hedges don't come through prayer. Hedges come through work. Because the Bible says he will get up every morning and pray for his children. Parents, do you do that? Or are you waking up in the morning, barely up, hurrying, getting lunch, and let's go, we gotta go, we gotta work, we gotta go to school, school. Or are you getting up an hour earlier to fall on your knees and pray over them as they go to school? Are you protecting your family through influences, footholds? But today, like Adam and Eve, you can go back to God and say, Lord, cover and denounce any foothold you've given the devil. And that concludes our house series for this month of October. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. Open our hearts. Father, if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, Call it what it is. I have failed my responsibilities. You know what that means now. To put that hand up. There's no shame, no embarrassment. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You, you, all, all around the church today. If you're here this morning, you can identify a foothold. If you show me your hands, an opportunity you're giving the devil. God bless you. You, you, everywhere. We all know it. Now, if you're here this morning, He's saying, Pastor, I'm coming back to the Lord. I'm shutting this foothold. I'm letting go of this snake once and for all. And I know it's going to mean war. I know it's going to be a battle. But like Job, I'm going to put a hedge of protection in Jesus' name over my home, my family, my marriage. I'm going to watch what I watch, watch what I do, watch what I let in. This devil is not going to be let in by any compromise in my life. If that's you, if you all just stand to your feet right now, I want to pray for all of you here today. That's you. God bless you. No shame. Come on. Up, 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 up. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word, for the truth. Father, you have given us a new wardrobe. We are different and we are made new in Jesus' name. But I pray for anyone here this morning, for anyone here today, that has given Satan a foothold. That Satan has distracted, has deceived, and has divided. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name over a hedge of protection over our homes, our families, our marriages, our children, our church. 
That we be watchful where the enemy can get in. That we stand up for what is upright. That we live a life like Job to fear you, God. To put you first and to set you apart as holy in everything that we do. Father, I pray for every marriage here to be healed, protected, and strengthened. I pray for every parent having to raise a child in the generation that we're in right now. That you will close every foothold. Give parents the strength to stand up to this wicked society, this world that we're living in. Where the devil will know, I want them, but I can't have them. And we just pray, Lord, that you would once and for all get the snake out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. That is the end of our house series, everyone. God bless you all. Thank you so much. You guys can have a seat real quick as we get ready to dismiss. I want to thank you all for joining us. Were you guys blessed by that message today? That was a powerful one. I hope you guys leave this church today saying, I'm going to form a hedge. I'm going to take care of my hedge of protection. I'm going to honor God 